Welcome to Healthcare 360. I'm your host, Scott Burgess. Join me in welcoming my guests as we'll discuss the ins and outs of the healthcare landscape and examine what is really happening inside big healthcare. Let's pick up where we left off. Here is part two of my conversation with CEO of Nexus Billing Solutions, Vinny Resnick. This is the humbling exchange with my good friend. In part one, we learned about his addiction. Now we deep dive into his 50-employee, multi-state business and the culture he created at NBS. Vinny was able to launch NBS Hinge on his reputation and a just-do-it business model. You will hear how we challenge each other, the benefits of positive discontent, and how a grassroots, ground-level approach in an uncharted territory gave him the ability to identify a solution because he was passionate about the objective. I look forward to our audience at Healthcare 360, gaining this insight and true inspiration. Glad you're here to join us only on Healthcare 360. I'm involved in recovery. So let's just go there, right? Let's get to it. Yeah. So fast forward, I get involved in the recovery process. And listen, my life changes dramatically, right? So, you know, I, I now can become part of the vision of hope that was displayed to me. An example of like, hey, look, lost dreams uh, awaken and new hopes arise. So I start to see things with a new horizon, right? I'm not capped to the once grim future that I believed in my head would exist. Like this is always going to be, right? I don't see a way out. And you're not trapped in that hole any longer. So now it's like, hey. I'm out of the hole. There's a whole new world out here. Let's figure this out. Like you had mentioned earlier, some of the best guys I know, the most motivated guys I know, and some of the guys that are the most savvy and willing to go get it are guys that have been there. Hmm. I mean, when you've been down in that ditch and you feel like there's no tomorrow, you live your life like there's no tomorrow. If you can turn that off and turn it into a positive thing where now you realize there is a tomorrow, not only do you have tomorrow, but you have the day after that and the day after that. With motivation. With motivation. Because you're motivated. Because look- one, you're not supposed to be there. Two, now you're like, okay, well, now I can do anything. Now, before you couldn't do anything, now you can do anything and everything that you want. Why? Because you found the way out. So that for me was a lot of the motivation. I started to get this newfound revive, uh, you know, revival of spirit, if you will, right? Where I felt this new life and I felt like, man, I, I got a real gift here. This is not an opportunity that I'm going to waste. You know, what can I do as an individual to have an impact? You know, and just it, not only in the, in the recovery community, how can I help other guys? You know, and that's where the mission for the recovery houses had started. And so my thought was there's got to be a lot of guys out here. You know, Florida is a tough market. There's a lot of stigma here. There's a lot well, of things that – Let me back up yeah. for a second because I want to build this for a little bit. Sure. You were with the company. Yeah. You hated your job. <laughs> you told me all the time how you hated your job. Yeah. I didn't want you to leave this out because it's the turning point. Right. Right. It's a turning point in front of me at this point. I mean, I know you'd recovered and you already made that turn. But I didn't know you then. This is – when we started getting to the meat of it, you're right. You couldn't stand your job, and you kept saying, "I can do more, I can be more," because you were making a living. You weren't where you wanted to be, but you knew you had more in you. You took a loan from your mother-in-law. Yeah, you never looked back. <laughs> and I remember, and I know you'll you'll laugh at this one, right? But it used to go to me like, "Hey, we made this much this month." Show me how you can double it. Yeah, double it. <laughs> double it. I'm like, that's great. Double it. Yeah. Right? Pushing you along. And because I just, I just saw it. I just saw it in you. And I'm like, he can double it. He can do it. You took a $10,000 loan organically. You turn it into, well, you hired 50 people and you're paying them with health insurance and benefits. And you run an organization. You have CPUs everywhere. Yeah. You're doing it, man. Thank you. Yeah. I think to kind of reflect, even as you're saying that, it's a little bit humbling. You know what, Scott? It's it's crazy to think, right? I remember those conversations well. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, I'd set out, I remember talking to you, look, I took that loan 
And I said, Scott, listen, I have an opportunity to help people maybe make a little bit of money, right? And, and the idea was never really the focus was money. It was just a way that maybe I could transition out of that job that I hated. Right. Right. And I was just for the, the listeners, I was working in corporate America. It really was my big break. You hated it. Oh, I <laughs> listen, there were circumstances that led to that. Um, I think I loved a lot of things about what they stood for. I just didn't love the fact that particularly where I was, that those things weren't necessarily enacted or, or they weren't really practiced. A lot of red tape. Yeah, I read yeah. tape, maybe a little smoke and mirrors, but I thought the core of what was believed in there was great. And I, and I really believe when I went there, my thought was mostly that this is where I'm going to hang my hat. Yeah. I think – yes, I think you're right. There was always a nagging feeling inside of me. I remember even when I interviewed, you know, and they, they were asking me a question uh, – Something had come up and I said, well, you know, I've always been a real entrepreneurial spirit and I, you know, I have that entrepreneur drive. And I realized as I was saying it, like, that's probably not the best thing to say for the role I was going for. Cause you're going to be like, well, this guy, you know, and I just spun it into, Hey, I think I can use that here, right. you know, and, and treat this like my business within a business, if you will. Yeah. But at the end, I hated it. Let's call the spade yeah. a spade. Yeah. Right. So I, I mean, I invested my time. You resource. were more than what you were doing. Yes. And I saw that. And I think, you know what, it, for what it's worth, and, you know, thank you, because I think you saw that too. And I think there's other individuals like you along the way that saw that. And I think that, think of this paradigm and think of this shift in mentality. So if you want to talk about, man, I'm really envisioning this and really going through the roller coaster, think of that. Mm-hmm. When you go from feelings of no worth, from isolation and desperation and degradation and all those types of things, to go into to meeting guys that are well seasoned, polished, intellectuals, you know, like yourself that are sitting there like, man, I see more in you. You got more to give. You know, th- think about that for a second. Let yeah. that sit in. Like, it's just, and it's, you know, S- Scott, those types of encouragements were reaffirming things that, you know, you kind of knew or maybe wanted to believe. But then when you have someone else reaffirming those things, you're like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I do. And it gives you this newfound fuel and this newfound fire to really go out for these things and really go after it. You know, say, so, well, if that guy believes in me, how can I not believe in me? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I got to these points where when you used to say double it, you get pissed. Oh man, you got me so mad because I would <laughs> I be so it. proud. I would be so proud of the little uh, little bit of of revenue we were generating in that at yep. that point. And he'd be like, "Yeah, man, that's great. Just double it." And I'd be like, "Double it, Gee, Scott? Do you know what I have at stake here? Do you know? Yeah, man, it's great. Double it." And listen, I'm happy to report back that we've since doubled it and doubled it and doubled it a few times. You had some potential acquisition potential. You said no. You basically told me to kiss your ass for the most part and yeah. politely yeah. because you didn't see value. You didn't see what they were going to do was going to be in the longevity of things. It was char- character. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the entirety of it, but I think I that – They weren't going to continue what your mission was and is. Yeah, And was, you said it, no. So and I want to put another perspective on this. Revenue generating company with acquisition buyouts and you said no. Right. And you're still going. So, yeah. So let me – I want to paint the full picture here because I really like to – you know, I, I like to give the whole picture. So yeah. that $10,000 loan was for the housing. And right. my original destination was, hey, look, you know what I can do? I can set up these houses. I can buy a house. All right. It, it's a solid investment. Now, it was a little bit after the bubble had happened and the market was still pretty low. So, I mean, I was able to, to buy a house very affordably. My fear was more that the market wouldn't come back. Not that, you know, that that, that really mattered for the type of home that I bought. But – you know, I thought, all right, here's a sound investment. I could buy a house. Now, mind you, you know, I had never purchased a house for my family. I mean, I have kids. I have certain things. But for what it's worth from the damage that I had done over the years, I was still cleaning up things from my past. I mean, look, 
The only thing about a credit card I ever knew is that I consistently paid no one my entire life. Like if you were willing to give me $500, <laughs> I was willing to spend it and be sure not to pay you back. You know, and listen, I didn't realize at 20, 22 years old that those things had, you know, five to seven, you know, 10 year implications on, on your history. So, I mean, I remember when I started life over at 25, 26, yeah. right? It's like you can just start to figure some of these things out. Like, hey, you can't buy anything. Right. And you definitely can't do that on credit. So that loan was a big chance. Now, now, like you said, I mean, I had a pretty good job. I was able to, you know, to to start to clean up a lot of that, mm-hmm. but I wasn't liquid. You know, not liquid to the point that you know I had ten thousand sitting around. But mm-hmm. I had a good idea. I had the drive. I had the ambition. My motivation was to help people. So you know, look, the thought was okay. If I can pay this house off along the way, build up a little bit of asset. You know, my vision then was much more long term, right? Like so now, I think in a lot different confines than I used to. There's a certain level of confidence that grows along with your ability to make to make it happen, right? To to have a vision, to have those things come to fruition. You know, you get to a point where you you don't need those affirmations anymore because you see, okay, hey, look, this is a plan it's executing. This is how it happened. This is how it started and this is where it needs to go. You get more confident in your ability to deliver. When I started that housing, I'm thinking, man, I got a 10, 15 year plan here. If at the end of 15 years I own a hundred thousand dollar property or hundred and fifty thousand dollar property, I helped <laughs> Countless hundreds of guys along the way. I'm winning on all the aspects Remember of life. Remember what I told you today when we were out in the kitchen? The guy I was talking to, money manager, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, how do you get the, the media company funded? Yeah, you're thinking too small. Thinking too small. Yeah. And I don't know what it was, but I wasn't afraid of the challenge at all. I was like, okay, bring it on. Right. I know I can do it. And thank you for smacking me upside the head and telling me I wasn't thinking big enough it was your doublet right it was your doublet my doublet yeah it was your doublet my doublet what he told me i was like okay you know it's so true you know like look as much as that aggravated me it's like i almost knew you were right at the same time right that's exactly you know like i I feel like when things really piss you off it's only because you know it's right 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 i mean unless it's really the opposite effect of like you know someone is absolutely dead wrong but i think in the instance where it really strikes a nerve or at least in my let me talk about i'm trying to think about the word for that because it pissed you off, it, it, but if you it, agitated or something different, but yeah, it I know the, you I know off, the word. Like, I, I, I'm going to tell you the word. Yeah. When you have a visceral response <laughs> to what someone says, right? Not not an emotional response, but yeah. a visceral one. Right, right. When you said double it, I would get upset because it was a visceral response. Like yeah. I knew you were right, but it wasn't the accolade I expected. But you know what? You expected so much more. Right. Right. You expect like, listen, that, great, double it. I you know, I experienced it, today. When I delivered to you, and I didn't expect it coming, and all I said was, okay, right. I delivered it. And because deep down, I know, and I literally told the guy, I said, in a year from now, because he posted it on LinkedIn, in a year from now, I said, we're going to check back to the date from when I asked you to do what I want to do, what my goals were. And we'll see where, exactly where we are. Sure. And I'm going to tell you the funniest part of this entire story and the irony of it all, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the best part to me was – and listen, you were a great, you know, great mentor throughout a lot of this process because, you know, Scott, you had a lot of experience. You've had some good life experience. And, you know, just anyone that gets the, the, the fortunate opportunity to talk to you is going to know within 30 seconds, like, wow, this guy's <laughs> impressive, right? I, I mean, you just are, man. And, you know, and I think that for me, when you would say something, I would listen. And I remember I came to you with this whole plan for the housing. I said, hey, I think I can get this loan. And, you know, I was in a tough spot. It's like I'm trying to find an avenue to do something different. The yeah. entrepreneurial spirit's rising up inside of me. I'm hating this job. But at the end of the day, you know what? I got three kids, a wife. 
I got bills. You know, I, I had things that needed to be met. So, you know, you're good, I'm not going to leave the security of, uh, you know, the golden handcuffs, if you will, without a really good plan. So I think, you know, what I, what I would come to you, I remember I would have these long, extensive, I mean, as well as I could thought out plans. And you'd be like, you know, you'd go through and you would look, you would look at these plans. You'd be like, yeah, man, that's great. And then you'd show me some other plan that was like 90,000 times better than what I could have ever created. And I'd just be like shaking my head, like, man, I, I don't know. Right. Like, I'm I, sorry. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I thought I was good until I talked to you and you showed me something that, that there was, you know, better. Here's what it was. You said something that, that clicked. You said, just do it. Just do it. You know something? You know what? And that was, and it was it. It was just, it was just do it. And it, the, the irony and the reason I said that that's funny is because we were talking in conversation and I said, you know what, Scott? And you were asking, you know, even the podcast and some of the things you're doing. Yeah. And I was like, listen, I'm just going to tell you what a really wise man said to me one time. And it's, you know, cause you had the plan and I, and I, and I was kind of smiling when we were on the phone because I'm thinking like, <laughs> this was literally me five years ago to Scott. And I, and I said, Scott, I'm just going to tell you what a wise man once told me. Just do it. Yeah. You know, you got a good laugh out of that because, you know, you knew that There was, that was a you. guy, I don't know if he's alive today or not, but when I was doing one of my rotations in college, because we went to Northeast and we did rotations, uh, when I left school, my resume was stacked. But I remember this gentleman, his name was Charles Twig. And I had always had an entrepreneurial mindset of, hey, I have this idea. Hey, I have this idea. And I remember asking him, hey, how do you run a business? He goes, there's no plan to run a business. You just do it. Right. This <laughs> is like yeah. a seven-year-old guy who's well-off, doesn't need to work. I'm asking him for, hey, how do you do it? I don't know. Just do it. Right. Like there's no plan. Best advice I ever got. You want to know why? Because like, look, I didn't know how to put phones in an office. I didn't know how to set up, you know, a call line, any of this stuff. How do you get an LLC? How do you do any of these things? Like, I, And you know what it was? It, it was 100% just do it. Right. Right. You know what I did? I spent countless hours researching as best I could and fingers crossed, here we go. Right. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. a lot of what it was. I mean, you know. Well, this room, I, I had no idea. Right. Hours of watching YouTube, reading books, listening to other ones. When I was putting this whole thing together, the, the original thought was before we were trying to transform and look at like Healthcare 360 as the media company that it's becoming now. I was really – well, I not was. I am really irritated at the current healthcare system as it currently stands because there's so much misinformation that's out there that can definitely be better. And had people known this better information that's out there. And I remember just thinking, without anyone telling me, just do it. And the reason why I keep going to this mindset thing because I know – I don't look at the, at the negative. Some people would. But I have the compulsive disorder as well. Mm -hmm. I got the – the burning in the belly. I literally wake up in the morning sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I wake, and I'm up because I, I think of something I need to get done and it wakes my ass up in a New York moment and I have to go do it. And for the first time, if I'm really being honest with myself, I see the clarity of what needs to happen to get this done because I know it's going to be successful. Yeah. And it's not just ambition. It's just do it, as you said, right? It's, yeah. ju it's just do it. And so I think that ambition, a lot of these things can all be present. I think that some of it's a little bit of intuition. And then, you know, an ability to assess a situation and look at what's going on is, is going to be critical. You know, I, I looked at the, the model that I talked about and, and having a recovery home as a way to be able to help guys. Why did I want to do that? Well, because I looked at the current situation here in the South Florida market and I said, you know, look, there's a better way to do this. Now, in some ways, I think some of the stigma that's been created or some of the 
negative uh, misnomers, if you will, about treatment centers are true because those places or types of places do exist or yeah. or have existed, right? Yeah. And same could go for recovery houses. There was a big thing going on where there was lab testing happening in, inside of these recovery houses where the, you know, the insurance companies are just being billed for astronomical amounts of money and it really has nothing to do with the treatment center. Mm. It has to do with the peer support model. So I said, well, we do, I don't want to do any of that. I just want guys to be able to come from somewhere. So essentially a recovery house is where they would go after their treatment period. They go to a recovery house. It's a house that has a community-based living. It's a peer support model though. There aren't any clinicians there. There's no doctors there. there there's nothing going on that's a medical or clinical model. It's really guys that are saying, hey, look, we're in a similar stage. You know, We've maybe gone through X amount of time of treatment, done certain things, and we are going to do this together. There are then parameters put in place on the house. So as a part of that community, to live there, you need to do certain things. Like you have to go to 90 meetings in 90 days, or you may have to give random urine analysis. And for that analysis, there are mm. you know, little, little pee cups, you pee in a cup, you did or you didn't, you, know, <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. continue to stay here, right? And uh, you know, for me, that was a way that I saw, okay, hey, this is a way that I can do something. I remember going to you with that plan and, and just saying, Scott, look, I, one, I can reach a lot of people. But two, like we talked about that vision, I'm thinking, hey, look, if, if in 10 or 15 years I have this place paid off. I remember you talking about you know, I have a couple of different properties. Yeah, well, maybe I have a couple of houses. Yeah. Right, this would be a great thing. You were thinking too small. Thinking too small. So, you know, on that just do it. Now, I went into – so my market then became treatment centers, right? So I would go into these treatment centers because – after someone finishes up their treatment period, you know, some of the guys would live at the house and they would go to like an outpatient thing where they would go maybe once a week or a couple times a week, that sort of thing. You know, I would go in there and say, hey, look, you know, Vin, you're great. We love you. We love your house. We know what you guys are about. And, you know, we ran a very tight ship. Like we ran a very strict model that was like, look, if you do certain things, you're not going to be here. Right. right? And that, that wasn't really existing here because a lot of people were focused on just generating money. And for me, I figured, well, if I set things up and do it the right way and have the right intentions on what we do, guys are going to get help. Guys are going to do well. And somewhere along the way, then, then the money should follow, right? If you have a good house and this model works for how it's constructed, you should be able to make some money. Now, I can tell you the recovery houses aren't a huge profit generator. Yeah. And, you know, there were months that it cost me money to have, you know, seven, ten guys in the house, you know, only that think you're making money hand over fist. Right, right. <laughs> you know, you have to hear about it. <laughs> But it was rewarding when you would see guys that would come in from their treatment and then, you know, they would stay sober for a year, two years, three years, and you see them after this period. Are you I, still friends with some of the guys at the yeah, house? Yeah. 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 So, I, you know, I've kept in contact with a lot of these guys. Some of these guys I know well. You know, some of these guys are, are still with me today. So, you know, I have some of these guys that, that started. You've employed them. Yeah. And they're employed today, you know, and, and now they have careers and they're doing well. So, you know, I'd go to these centers, they'd say, Vin, look, Are you finding hardworking, committed, uh, yeah, above I, and beyond expectations? Listen, it, you know, there's, um, yes. In yeah. short, yes. There's a certain level of gratitude, I think, that comes when someone feels like not only that they're not worthy of an opportunity, but when they're given one, you know, to really take advantage of it. Similar, yeah. Similarly to me in my life, right? I, you know, I think I, along the way, received some opportunities I really didn't feel like I should have. And through those opportunities, I was able to build on that. And, you know, I'd go into these centers and they'd say, Vin, we love your houses are great. Do you know anyone that does medical billing? Do you know anyone that does billing? And mm -hmm. so much like yourself when you're talking about Healthcare 360, right? Like I'm like, why am I always getting asked about this? Like there has to be a problem here. Right. I didn't know anything about billing. 
right? I, I really didn't. I'm like, all right, no, I don't know anybody. But if I do, I'll, I'll let you know. And, and you know what? It was that whole like, just do it. Just do it. It's like nagging in the back of my head and I could think, okay, I got these houses. They're running well. Our reputation is good. It wouldn't be so far of a cry or a stretch to say, hey, I can use this you know, reputation that we've created as really a hinge to, yeah. to, to launch to the next platform. And so – with that, I started on on a process. Look, as much as I can tell you that I enjoyed and loved the fact that I had the housing for some time and was able to help a lot of men turn their lives around, there were some parts of it I just didn't love, right? You know, on July 4th, when there's nine guys standing on your roof shooting bottle rockets off, I mean, <laughs> how, how do you plan for that, right? I mean, right. there's, and I mean, I could give you countless that other That could examples. weigh more than snow at that point, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, just liability, the neighborhood, I, and there's just so many factors there, but it was things like that that would come up that I'm just like, man, I, I just don't know if I'm cut out for this. Mm. And so I really started to think, well, I know there's a need here. And, and, you know, much like yourself, I started to educate myself as much as possible. I mean, countless nights in front of a laptop, countless nights spending time educating and going through and trying to research. You know, what, funny. I, you know what I found the hardest part of that whole thing yeah. is you going through that because I feel it is one, maintaining my groove and in in curbing my enthusiasm a little bit to the, my surrounding people who I'm yep. talking to because it can get. Sometimes they can't keep pace, to be honest. Yeah. You know, they're like, whoa, like slow down about 90, right? Yeah. So we can try to keep up. But at the same time, the work-life balance and balancing it with the family. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, and I'm really thankful that she does this, is that she's like, it's our time during the night. Honestly, like, and sometimes I think, and I, when you said countless hours on the laptop, that includes the nighttime. Yeah. I know it does. And it's hard because you have this ambition. If I wasn't stopped, I'd probably keep working just because it, the drive is that strong. Yeah. It's, it's almost to a detriment. Yeah, the term, the term that I would, that I would say comes to mind is positive discontent, right? So yeah. I think, I think through the entirety of building this, there was this idea that, Hey, if I could not only if I can do this, but if I'm going to do this, how am I going to do it? And if I do it in a way that that's never been done or has done better, effectively, I'm going to create a demand for my product or service or what it is. So yeah. how do you do that? My goal was not really to understand everything that I could about, you know, say, billing and claims. My goal was to understand the challenges. Why was I going into these places and hearing every, you know, opportunity right. that came up? Like, hey, do you know anyone that does this? No, you know, but clearly this is a problem. Right. Yeah. What are those problems? You know, so we identified some things like communication. Let, let me forecast right there for a yeah. second. The reason why I'm I'm jumping in a little bit there because you developed your own software programs as well yeah. to run all this. Because again, you were you were given something that yeah it worked, but not how you were doing it. Yeah. So you wiped it clean and, and built it. Yeah. I, I here's what I didn't. Up. Here's what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to come in. As some new company, even if we had a reputation and maybe an outlying market, I mean, mm -hmm. really treatment and, and the recovery housing, while they overlap somewhat, they're really two totally different things. One requires clinicians and medical professionals. The other does not. You know, it requires some guy to own a house and furnish that house and keep a structure. I mean, two totally different worlds, really. Yeah. Is there overlaps? Yes, because the treatment then pushes people towards a recovery model, which would then be the peer support. And, and that's where recovery, just guys like myself that are in recovery, can add that value to intrinsically motivate guys to see the hope of what's what can be. With this, it was a whole other ballgame. Well, right? You know something? No, yeah. I just realized, I think. So you started 
Is it fair to call it a halfway house? Yeah, if half, halfway recovery house. Same so thing. so you, yeah. you started the company, Nexus House. Next Us House. Yeah. Next Us House, right? As a halfway house. Yeah. Which then transformed itself into Nexus yeah. Billing Company. Yeah, Nexus Billing Solutions. So huh. the idea behind Next Us House was, right, it was that we thought, you know, our thought was, look, we're going to help create the next you. Mm-hmm. And that's going to become the next us. us, right? Yeah, and that's how we became next us. And so, next us house was really about creating the next us. So, the logo, the branding, started with small peanuts. Really, when you look back in hindsight, <laughs> yeah, right? Looked like, with, looked like a nightclub logo, right? With, with a house, <laughs> the, all of it. Not that you dumped it, but you moved on. Yeah, you redesigned it. You took complete ownership of how the branding was going to go, and that was when you remember. I said, hey. You can go back in time. What would you redo? And you would like branding. Yeah. Branding, branding, branding. Make sure that everything's consistent and everything's there. And, uh, and again, I'm not a marketing guy. You know, all I know is infrastructure and hospitals and design, and I do it really well. And I was like, okay. And I can't even tell you today. The re- When you first walked in, you're like, that's a cool looking logo. Yeah, it looks great. That's all you. No, it looks great. That's all you, 100%. I think that, uh, you know, it, it's that just do it. It's the uncharted territory. And so, look, we talked about a point. I don't know what I don't know. Right. Right. So let me tell you this. My first phone system. All right. So, oh, well, let me back up a little bit. So yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so, yeah. you, so you have Nexus Billing Solutions. Is is the company now. Is the company now. Yeah. And that's so, what's generating all the revenue yeah, and so, everything else. So the house we is – We never announced it. Yeah, we announced it. Yeah. So the, the houses uh, house were – not really. My desire was to help people, right? But then, like you said, you know, I was thinking too small. And I thought, you know what? If if these facilities who are really doing the heavy lifting in terms of helping people to achieve recovery and sobriety and all those things, well, what if I could just become a really great billing company because this problem exists, right? Mm-hmm. And and put people first and do it in a different way and, and create a good culture for my company, you know, and then create good good relationships where there was an actual interest taking in the practice because it's not really much different than a doctor's practice, it, you know, except for it operates almost like a small hospital in some some effects, right? Yeah. But if we could have that symbiotic relationship, you know, so it's almost a parallel to what I was trying to do in the recovery community, all right, but then have the process and the procedure and, and you know, the efficiency behind that. That I would affect be able to make that same mark without actually having to do what I was doing on the front line at the house. Right. So, you know, that was an approach to me that made sense because it's like, look, it still fits what I'm attempting to accomplish, but there's another need here. There's a greater need here. There's a bigger problem to solve. Now, SWOT analysis, uh, for, for those that don't know, strength, weakness, opportunity, threat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. When I wrote that list out, I was like, well, this isn't looking too good. Right. <laughs> I mean, strengths, uh, me, I feel like I'm confident in myself. Okay. Great. You're passionate you know, about your objective. I'm, I'm passionate about the objective. Weakness. I know just about nothing about medical billing claims. Opportunity that existed. Right. So let's focus on that for a second. Cause I said, all right, well, there's a lot of opportunity here. What's the threat? Well, the threat is, A, you don't know anything about your weaknesses. B, you don't know anything about your competition. You know, And there was just this laundry list of things. So I used that as a roadmap to say, okay, you know what? What I really need to do here is find out where the problems are. Yeah. So once I did that, you know, look. We, and, that, and that's what you did. You went – I remember in the beginning, you would go and visit all the different clinics and talk to people and you did grassroots I building. Benchmarked across the country as far as yeah. I could and anyone that was willing to sit with me. Right. And I, listen, I, and I would just say, look, I understand that you may be set, uh, you know, with who you're using or how you're doing it. Would you give me the time to sit and talk to me about things you would change if you could? Yeah. And so I got great feedback. 
you know, I which got developed I, your program, which developed what we did because I yeah. knew from you know from the ground level what the problems were. Now I didn't at that time know what the solution was going to be, mm-hmm. but I knew that if I could identify the problem, much like a recovery process, right? Mm-hmm. If I could identify the problem, then I could create and identify with a solution, right? Because you know, in looking at it, when I would go to these places, there were some commonalities, right? There were some recurring themes. So then I built a structure that said, okay, these are some of the problems we're having, right? Transparency was one. You know, visibility over a process was another. Communication was another. And, you know, so you hear these recurring themes. Okay, we're going to start with that, right? So, you know, when you say, yeah, we've created a software, we built these things, we have. But these things were built really out of a necessity of the voice of the industry that I was looking to serve. And so I didn't reinvent the wheel in in terms of billion claims. You know, we created a- But you streamlined it. You definitely streamlined it. We've created a better mousetrap. I mean, yeah. that's really what we've done. Like, we didn't reinvent the wheel. We just created a better mousetrap and wait for this to be done. And we're doing things that haven't been done in our industry. And I think to go from where it started, right? I, I mean, here's how we started. Okay, you <clears> need <throat> phones in your office. How do you get phones? I mean, the phone systems we have now, I mean, they've been long gone. Right? Right. I think we went with some analog system or something. I mean, voice over IP wasn't even a thought. Like, we had things <laughs> that were, it would only be relative to a location. So what if you expand? Now your systems don't connect. I mean, you know, you, you're going to make mistakes along the way. You know, there were investments made in money that, that was paid out in, into this venture, you know, that weren't good, but you know, you learn from it and you move on. The branding, you know, you said, yeah. what would you have done differently? Right. I told you right off the bat. I mean, look, I spent money and, and time then to rebrand and to make sure that our image is, par for you know our industry so it's all these things it's you know you don't know what you don't know but if you have a mentality of like just do it right when you start to dig in you know it's really not all that difficult right it's just a matter of making sure that you're assessing the right information and then implementing the right strategies right we started small you know we started in in a small office i remember i remember you showed me yeah you're like hey come on over so, I mean, listen, we're long past that point, but let's say this, right? So when that office was open, you saw that office, but yeah. no one else did. So what I had was I had a virtual office that carried an address at a class A space in Boca Raton, Florida. Yeah, and make it seem bigger than you were. Well, perception's reality, right? And right. I thought that if I was to try to bring someone to this office, there's no way that anyone would think that I was credible, right? They right. would never – now, what I did have, I had, you know, I had, you know, an interest and I had, you know – the ability to start to assess information. I had other guys alongside of me to help me through that, right? So I had willing partnership there that that was like, okay, hey, we can do this. But at the end of the day, we didn't know anything about building claims. So once we had an idea of what that needed to look like, we started to address that, right? So uh, luckily, uh, you know, as as fate would have it, if you will, my business partner, Ken, his mother-in-law had been doing billing and claims for, you know, 20 plus years. So not only uh, had she been doing billing and claims, but she's a certified professional billing and coding instructor. Wow. So we really had like the ace, the ace you had of the, diamonds. The, the green poop on your side, right? We had the ace of diamonds. <laughs> All we had to do was figure it out. Right. Um, and so initially, a lot of those things for us were done remotely. And I remember she would always say to me, like, you know, she would say, Vin, relax. Like, it's, it's not rocket science. I'm going to teach you. And, you know, because I was always so worried. I'm very meticulous. I'm very, you know, calculated in how I do things. And I was always worried about mistakes. I don't want anything because the rep- the reputation and the accuracy that we wanted to portray by our visual, you know, information yeah, platforms, yeah. you know, I didn't want anything to be wrong because that would completely refute the point of- well, That gonna, resonates gonna, with me because my conversation earlier today on, on a quick meeting we had about Healthcare 360 and other segments that's going to come out is nothing's being released until we have at least six and- it has to be refined. 
Right. And they're like, well, why? And I said, well, because it needs to be better than the iPhone that's in their pocket. Because everyone says, oh, I just recorded this audio. It's not true. People will not watch or listen if it doesn't sound good or look good. Yep. I agree. And I think that, you know, that attention to detail has probably been a driving and motivating factor for me. So I Mm -hmm. can draw some parallels there, Scott. Like, one of the things that I did is I really meticulously went through the details of my approach. Now, just like your friend said, you know, how do you run a business? You run a business. Yeah. You're not going to, you know, uh, Donald Rumsfeld coined the term, a term of known unknowns. Right. There's going to be things that we know we don't know. Mm-hmm. Listen, there are a lot of known unknowns when you get into business. There's going to be things you know. There's going to be things you know you don't know. And there's going to be things, you know, that are known unknowns, things that you know you're not going to know. Right. You just don't know what they are yet. And so, so you what know, was the biggest unknown looking back or even just today that had you known you would have jumped in front of it, got ahead of it? Hmm. Good question. Uh, you know, I, I think we've been really fortunate. I don't, there's no, we've played our cards very well, right? So I think that we took an approach to the business that was very strategically thought out, right? And yes, so, so if sure. there was things that I would change, there would be minor. I mean, I wouldn't have bought the phone system that I bought, right? I would have done my rebranding sooner. But as far as execution for what we've done, I really am happy to report that we've done a really good job and I really mm. wouldn't change much, right? And, and, you know, the, if there was a change that would be made, I may have taken a little bit more risk sooner. But I mean, how is that a mistake, right? If you're building. Well, that's why we got the Mika. I told you to double it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, when you heard, when I heard double it every other month, you know, right. I, but I think that there was a lot of good measure in being prudent, right? And yeah. understanding that Strong from, word. A, from a, from a grassroots mm-hmm. understanding that I didn't, want to make any capricious decisions and and not have these things well thought out and plan as best that I could. You know, so here's here's like the real and you'll probably hear me get excited. So we started in this little office. One of the guys from from my house that you know that would that was staying with me, I'm gonna give him a shout out, Joe, hmm. um, was a young guy. Joe came from Ohio. He uh, was living in the Keys. Parents were very well known in the community. Uh, father held prominent position in the community, things like that. And for them, he went to treatment for for smoking pot. Right. And I remember he got to my house and I'm thinking, what's this guy doing here? (laughs) You know, young guy. And, but I saw a lot in him and I knew that there was some brokenness there. And I saw that he was just struggling to kind of find his way. And Joe was our first hire, if you want to call it that. But I remember, Joe, this is a perfect opportunity. Here's the thing. I don't have any money to pay you, but I could have you serve as as an intern. (laughs) And it happens more than you think. Listen, and I said, Joe, I could have you intern. And when we make enough money, I can pay you. I can tell you, you know, that was one of the single best early moves that I made was taking a shot on somebody. So if you said, what would you have done? Like, you know what? I would continue to, to have done that. I would taken a shot on somebody because look, I didn't know. I didn't know. I saw, I saw something. And I think with every good business owner, one thing that will separate a good business owner from the rest is the ability to position people to their strengths, right? The ability then to drive a culture that is understanding of that. I think there's too many condemning environments in the work world today. I think that a lot of people get stressed out at work. They get overcome by burden and things like that because of the culture that's created. Early and often, we set out for this mission of culture. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're saying to someone, we think we're going to create the next you, which is going to become the next us, it would be hard pressed to say that to someone and not take care of, of home base, right? So we always kept that mentality, even within the office. So Joe starts, he's an intern, and Joe, the first day, he walked into that office. 
<laughs> right? So to paint the picture for everyone listening, it was all of 400 square feet, probably, what, three desks in a room and the chairs you could have just about reached back. And your office and, in the corner side. You know, we had, you know, it was two offices <laughs> really in 400 square feet and, and then two desks kind of side by side. We were squished in there and – you know, I remember Joe walking in the first day we told him, you know, he was going to start and uh, he walks in and he's like, is this legitimate? <laughs> so, you know, he wasn't sure either. I don't know if he thought we were trying to run a, like a boiler room or something, but, you know, he wasn't even convinced that the operation was legitimate. Wow. And, and I get a good laugh now, but, you know, that's why I had the foresight to get to virtual space. What if a client had walked in? Yeah. You know, so that's some of the other things. Look, you have to be creative. When you're starting a business, you know, to cut into certain markets, you know, it, it's I knew our capability, but I also knew that there was some value of coming in the right way. Now, I had the fortunate past of working for the company that, you know, at the end, it hates a strong word. I disliked it a lot. I mean, I really – Yeah, I, w- it, I would agree with that. You, you know, I, 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 think, I think that I couldn't tell you that, that I hated it for the simple fact that I learned a ton there and I'm grateful for that, right? And here's one of the other things I learned through business is like as much as I felt like I did because I did do a lot for that location – Come Friday, I was square. It was a day's work for a day's pay. Right. Right? So there's no agreement when you start or you work for someone that, you know, your fruits of your labor are somehow not square when you get paid on Friday. They are. Now, you hope for the other outlying benefits, right? You hope that you can enjoy that long-term benefit of being employed. You hope that maybe there's some long-term things. Maybe they have a 401k. There are these other benefits. But I realize these things, you know, as a business owner that, like, you know, some of the things that upset me before more – I have a little bit more understanding. Not saying that I agree with, mm-hmm. but I, I understand the approach. You can empathize a little bit. I can empathize a little more, yeah. right? You yeah. know, we we would hire guys, uh, you know, from from outside and things would happen, you know, the, the, you know, at this company. Why would they do that? You know, right, now right. I could see, like, maybe they were looking for a specific skill set. And, you know, within the operation, maybe they didn't feel like they had that or whatever the case might have been. But I, I can understand some of these things. So again, I, I don't necessarily agree, but, you know, that insight that you just don't have before you do it. And so there is a shift that happens. We talked about that briefly, about that confidence that you get, you know, in doing those things. So we're in this little square, you know, 400 square foot space, and, and I'm knocking on every door. You know, I watch Shark Tank all the time. I love that You're reminding me right now and, of Freddie Mercury in the Queen movie. Michelle actually reminded me of this today, but when the – uh, I don't know if you want to call him producer, but the guy who's going to represent Queen for the first time, he's like, well, we're going to do this. And he's like, no. And? Yeah. And? And, and he kept pushing and pushing and pushing, which is where I, I don't want to feel that thunder, but that's where I know you're going with it. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, it's vision's a great thing. I, you know, I had a, a great mentor, a guy named Lance, and, and, you know, I would say, I hope this or I hope that. And he said, well, he had a Southern draw. He said, well, Vinny, you know, that's great, but hope's not a strategy. <laughs> And and you know what he was right. Couldn't be more and, true. You know what I had an opportunity recently to connect with him and thank him for that. It's amazing the impacts that people can have without even knowing it, right? And I think mm. you know just do it. Large impact, small saying, huge impact and imp- yeah. impact on my life. The entire brand behind that that phrase, right? And that was an impact that happened in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the passing of knowledge is extremely important. But I think you know. One of the real shifts that happened was I, I went to this spot of believing in myself, right? That that if it's going to happen, you, listen, the naysayers cannot start with you, right? Right? There's going to be people that don't believe. That's fine. But I'm telling you emphatically, without doubt, that that cannot start with you. So one of the things that I had in my head is who says that I can't? You know right. what? Who says that I can't be a national brand building company? Who says that I can't build this from nothing? Who says that I can't? In the midst of that, and this is getting to another point, 
So, you know, knocking on doors, I drum up three accounts. I came in well under market because I knew that there was probably going to be some growing pains. They were newer places. We're very upfront about that. One of the other things that's extremely important is honesty and integrity in everything that you do. Yeah. Right? And that integrity piece, I think, was one of the major pushing components for having people essentially give us a shot. Right, Because it's like, look, I'm telling you this is where we're at. This is how we're going to set this up. We haven't launched yet. We go live this date. Once we do, this is what it's going to look like, and there's going to be some pain. Mm-hmm. But we're going to be vocal. We're going to be transparent. You're going to see that. You're going to know what it is. But we know. There's some known unknowns. Yeah. We do a good job. Right? So here we are. Three accounts. We're doing a good two, First two accounts, I'm not really making any money. I remember that's probably when I was coming to you. And then, you know, and then the third account. We finally generating a little little revenue. I'm, you know, I'm paying for the the space now. I'm not coming out of pocket. The lights are staying on. All the bills are getting paid, and you know I'm bringing my buddy Scott in to show him how proud I am. And he looks at our little whiteboard and says, "Great man, double it, double it." Yep. And you know, look, another good piece of advice. I, I, I see for the first time. Hey, you know, we have a viable thing here. This 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 works. You start to believe a little bit. So then, what's next? What's the vision? How does this get created? And it's like you said, and, 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 yeah. and I think that what you have to be able to do um, to really get to where you want to go is you have to just really dream big. You have to look huge. It's got to be remarkable. It has to be incredible, but it has to also be practical. Yeah. Okay. Right? So yeah. there has to be a strategy. I mean, it's great to say, hey, we want to run, you know, a multi-million dollar business, do all these things. Well, how do you get there? You know, because the reality is you got to go from a thousand. That's to- a great point, though, because you had never had done it before. Yeah. So what steps did you take or what did you figure out personally to get where you are? Because you, you didn't run a mouth. I mean, you had made millions for somebody else. Yeah. But you had never done it for you. Well, that's where the confidence came from. So it's a good notable point, right? So I think that sales drives a lot of things, right? But I think sales has to be done in a way that, you know, it's integral and those sort of things. Yeah, I think it's my not sleazy. Right. Because, you know, a little bit too much passion or a little bit too much of this and it tastes burnt, yeah. right? It yep. just does. Mm-hmm. So I was always very cognizant of that. I think that there's always been a real motivation for me to connect with people. So it's never really – for me, I think that if you find – you know, it's the whole Zig Ziglar, right? You get get every, get enough people what they want and you can have whatever you want. Sure. And I really believe in that. I think that like if you really strive to help people solve their problems and that's presented in a way that's a viable revenue generation of some sort, you're going to make money. Right. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. It's just identifying what those things are and then, you know, and, and hitting on those points. So – you know, we, we have this small operation. We have from the start, you know, some of the branding was bad. And this was the point you talked about earlier. We catch a little bit of traction. I mean, I'm talking three accounts, but people are like, hey, you know, these guys are doing pretty good. You, know, you might want to look at this. And I have an investor come to our door, right? And I have a guy, hey, listen, so-and-so wants to talk to you. You know, without getting into too many of the details, essentially there was there was really a proposition on the table. You guys have, have to understand I had maybe $9,000 in my business bank account. Right. And, yeah. and and I'm happy about that. I mean, Scott told me, Delboy, but I'm like, hey, there's there's nine thousand dollars here. I'm so you know, so, so I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking, all right, this is great. You know, we could we could jump start X, Y, and Z, we can do all this. It resonated with me that I always had trepidation because of the character of the person that, that wanted to come into the business. And it was just calling called into question. And, you know, fast forward, here's where we are. We didn't take the investment. I, I drafted I went to an attorney. I had an operating agreement drafted after several conversations back and forth because there were some structured things there and some 
reciprocals for the relationship and things because of other businesses owned. And I just couldn't get over the fact that I just didn't I didn't like it. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? What's what's it worth? You know what? What's it worth to you if you know? And then the second thought was, do I need it? Well, if I'd done nine thousand, I could do ninety thousand, or I could do nine hundred thousand, or I could yeah. do nine million. Right? What, what's it worth? And so, what I understood was that, you know, my reputation, who I am, and what I stand for, had to come before everything, because only only you know what it is that you want to do or how you're going yeah. to do it. And so, you know, even. For your, your podcast, I know who you are. I know what you're about. You know, I think your listeners are going to be blown away by the types of things that you embark on and, and the topics that you talk about. Because one of the things that's always uh, impressed me about you, Scott, is that your ability to think outside of the box. And I think every good entrepreneur uh, in some capacity has the ability to do that, right? Because I think mm. that the other mindset is like you fit the confines of like just doing what you have to do every day. And that's okay too. Right. I mean, really, for yeah. you know, for for most the economy and society and what people do. I mean, most people go and they work a job and that's what they do. But it's you know the, the mindset of being able to create and the mindset of being able to differentiate and those things are those are special characteristics that not everyone has. Yeah. Right? Well, the guy asked me today uh, when I was with him. He says, "So, who's your ultimate guest, or what you, in the segments that you're trying to do?" Um. Nobody. He says, what do you mean by that? I said, the best person, the person who's an educator listener is the best. And he looked at me. He goes, that's a great answer. I said, well, what the, how do I want a famous person or a celebrity? Because a lot of times they're just trying to keep the, the machine moving. Right. You know, and they're telling the same story. Not that it's invalid, but when you do it day in, day out, the person who's in the trenches with you in the foxhole, those are the people who have the best remedies to the situations that people are going through or feeling or acknowledging or just experiencing overall. Yeah. And so he came back and he's like, okay. And I remember looking at him and I, I don't want to say it, but I said, Hey, there is a financial marker I want to hit and you're not thinking big enough. Yeah. And again, for the first time I was like, you're right. I'm not, but I, I it was, I, I don't know, man, I don't know what it was. And I don't know, how to express that feeling because yeah. it was one of the first times on my end for this because I do have big ambitions for it, but it was like, man, like, where do you go? How do you get there? What do you do? But it was just, it was kind of like that, you know, something, let me take that back. If you ever heard of the term of someone seeing, feeling God for the first time, that settling feeling, yep. that's what it felt like. It was like, I got this. Yep. It was just very calming. Okay. Sure. Now let's do it. I've heard it like this once, yeah. right? So they'd say, you know, someone might say, Vin, it's got to feel pretty good to be able to do, you know, and, and create and, and talked about, you know, look, man, you grassroots to, you know, 50 employees. We have two offices, big things. What does it feel like? You know, Scott, I can't explain the feeling, right? Like you said, like, yeah, man, it's hard to put. You know, someone said it like this. You know, it's almost like honey, right? <laughs> it's almost like honey. Explain honey to someone that's never tasted it. Yeah. How do you do it? I mean, it's sweet, but so is sugar. Right. Right. So, it, you know, it's it's kind of like honey, right? It's sweet, but it's like a taste, man. And, and, and when you get a little taste of it, it's like you almost never forget, but it's really hard to explain. Man, I, so you think about raw honey, it's natural, it's light, it's sweet, it's healing. Those are some powerful adjectives to describe that one food product, right? Very true. Yeah. You know, and to accurately describe it, you could use so many words, but 
you know, everybody that's tasted honey knows what honey tastes like. Yeah. You know, and I think for me that, and much like yourself and probably so many others, I think for me the one thing that was really motivating was I knew I could do it. Yeah. But I knew I could do it. And I, I feel like for the longest time I just stood in my own way. Well, let's amplify it. You just didn't do it here in Florida. You went back to your hometown and you did it there too. Yeah. Or I should say you did it. You're doing it there too. Yeah. I'm glad that you say that. Let me just give you some You insight. went back to your hometown. So let me give you some insight there. And I'm glad you made this point. When I came to Florida, I had nothing. I moved down to Florida. Now, I didn't come here for recovery. I'd already been you know, clean sober for years, right? So I moved here because I just wanted a better life. I'd never seen Florida. I managed to save $3,000. So I'm going to give you a picture of what my life was like then. I managed to save $3,000. I remember talking to my wife and we said, Hey, look, you know, we could give Florida a shot. And I said, All right, well, I'll save up the money and we can move. Now, you know, we had enough money to get a flight down to put a deposit on a place. Like this was, there wasn't an exploratory flight. And then we'll be going back in a few months to make something happen. It's like, Look, if we want to do it, I'm going to save this money. We'll go to Florida. We're going to look at places if we like All something. In. We're putting a deposit down. Yeah. All in. All in. Yeah. Now, I can tell you too, through the recovery journey, we talked about the piece earlier about God. I remember almost feeling crazy. Because I would, you know, I'd pray at night or something, you know, and I would say, you know, I really felt like called to do it, right? I felt it in my gut. And I remember I'd pray and all I would really hear, feel, whatever you want to call it. It would just go, I have something for you. Just go, I have something for you. I remember even talking to a friend of mine who was a pastor, a friend of mine, Ian. And mm -hmm. Ian's like, hey, man, are you sure? Because, you know, like this is a big move. You have a family. Like you want to be responsible. And I remember really questioning all these things and thinking in my head like, am I just telling myself this because I really think I should do it? But you know what? I knew it was all in. It was just like, you know, what? I felt like, you know, I'm praying. I'm getting some intrinsic motivation here. I feel the calling like I'm going. So I moved to Florida. Now, my first job in Florida, you know, I found out a lot of things about Florida pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> like most people do, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so, it's not just all rain. For, it's not for, rain and sunshine, but beaches and sunshine. For the nation, Florida is a great place to live, all right? Not necessarily a great place to work. And Florida, Florida is very uh, was very different from the culture I came from. I came from a blue collar town. I came from Philly. You have iron workers and you know yeah. laborers and all that sort of stuff. And and so, look, it's there's not a lot of huge haves, you know, but there's really not so many have nots either. The city is is middle class working people. Yeah. You know, and everybody has an expectation of what they can do, and for the most part, that's realized. Florida is strange because Florida was haves and have nots. And I felt like there really wasn't this presence of this middle class economy that existed by way mm -hmm. of the trades because there really isn't the same presence. Uh, like, you know, they have unions and things in Philadelphia that didn't exist here. So you had, you know, you had sole proprietors or, or small businesses and then you had large corporations. So when I first came to Florida, I took a job. I was working in a, in a call room for some timeshare thing. I had no idea what it was. I had a friend that was there. Listen, I can get you in. I think it was like $300 a week plus whatever you can make on, on these sales for this timeshare thing. Mm. And so my buddy said, look, I'm making $1,500 a week. This and that. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, sounds, sounds all right. I, you know, I think I could do that. Move to Florida, get the whole family down here. We're all excited. Now, when you move from Philadelphia and you come to Florida, there's really not too much that could seem bad right. about where you are. Right. I mean, really. So I was happy to have this job. I'm like, this is great, man, all these good things. And I didn't like the job. I mean, I didn't. I felt like something was wrong there. And so I got exposed to this, you know, this call center. And I'm just like, you know what? This isn't for me. <laughs> so I'm here maybe three weeks and I quit my job. And now, I, now mind you, I moved down with $3,000, a 
Penske truck full of stuff, and I paid for my first month rent, and that's it. I got two kids at the time. I'm married, you know, and then my wife's like, are you crazy? You quit your job? I'm like, they're not doing something right there. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I'm not doing that. So, you know, I said, listen, it'll be okay. What's funny, too, if if I'm backtracking, is you had no accountability, and I have all of it. Right. Well, and this is, you know, the shift, right? Are they more reliable? Look, I, you know, here's what it was. I smelled something I didn't like. I said, I'm out. I'm, I'm not doing it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to go and lay my head on the pillow at night and question about the things that I'm doing. I did that for long enough, yeah. right? So you put these principles in your life and live by them, and it serves you well. So I go, you know, I talked to some guys I met in the recovery community in Florida. There's the only guys I really knew. I didn't know anyone else here. And and so, you know, I said to these guys, listen, man, I quit this job. I think, and, and you know, a friend of mine, Matthew, said, listen, you know what? My dad's looking for a guy, you know, for some business-to-business sales, which I hadn't done up to that point. So, you know, I can't guarantee anything, but I can at least, you know, talk to them. So I ended up getting that job. That's what led to the job after that we discussed because I had that business-to-business experience. Before that, I'd only done business-to-consumer. And so the reason I bring up that first office is because this is where it might blow your mind a little bit. So I get to that job I hate after the job for, you know, the whole progression there. And, you know, I decide to start the Nexus and, you know, build the company. Well, when we outgrew that small office to 400 square feet, we needed an office space, right? Because, yeah, we had Joe, but now we needed to hire more people. We're taking on accounts. <laughs> we we need people. We need space. Right. We're, we're there. We looked at a few spaces and two spaces looked really promising. One was a little outside of what I was comfortable doing. And then the, the last space, we made a letter of intent. With that letter of intent, we were trying to make sure that the office uh, cubicles and desks and all that stuff remained because I didn't really have the liquid to go just furnishing. So I'm like, oh, this is great. So we negotiated at least pretty strongly, really out of necessity, right? I was really trying to chisel. Our negotiations were a strong point. If not, so, it would have dented your bank account. Well, I, was, I did it out of fear. I, I mean, I did it out of fear. I did it out of fear and, and necessity, not really trying to chew up the property management company so bad, but I knew what I could do. And I also knew what I wanted. So I was really aggressive about it. Well, we signed a letter of intent. In the 11th hour, they leased the property to someone else. Oh. And it was for more money. Not only are we not going to have the office uh, desks and things like that, now we don't even have a space. So I'm talking to the broker, and he says, Vin, I got one other space that I found. He said, and and I want to show it to you. Let me know what you think. I know you were looking for a Class A space and all this stuff. And this this fits the bill. He said, it's, it's technically Class B space, but... It's done pretty well, and I think you'll like it. I said, "All right, let me let me get. We'll check it out." She sends me the address. I'm like, "That eh, sounds familiar." We pull up to the address, mm-hmm. and I said, "It's going to be the second door on the right." And he's like, "How do you know that?" I said, "Because I used to work there. It was the first job that I took when I was in Florida. The place closed up. My office that I signed a lease on for my first lease was the place that I used to sit looking in the ceiling, wondering if I was doing the right thing." Really? Yep. So that was uh, sweet, I didn't know that. Sweet one forty four. You know, and so I remember sitting in a seat looking at the drop tile ceiling thinking, how does somebody do this, right? How does somebody, even that call center, that didn't believe anything in what they were doing. And I'm like, how do, you, how do you do this? How do you get an office? How do you have all these people where, how does that happen? And sometimes, and one of my employees doesn't even know this, Courtney, she's still with us. She's great. I would go by her desk and sometimes I would just kind of sit there and talk for a little bit just mm-hmm. so I could look up at that same ceiling tile, just for perspective, you know, right. from from when I went from sitting there in the seat making the calls to being there with, you know, 16 or 15 people, whatever we had at that time, building out this office and, and realizing part of the dream and the vision. So, sure. let me, so let me do this. You're 15 minutes away. 
you coming back. I'm going to close out this one, but final words always yours, but I'm not going to be that easy. Okay. And everything that you've learned 13 years old till now, three words. Treat people well. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, it, it's something I've always wanted from others. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it's the core functionality, all right, of what we do. Yeah. Treat people well. You don't want to know, and I think the the reason, and we can close with it, people matter. Yeah. Right? With Without people and without people making the investments into what you do, right, without people aligning with your vision or believing in your vision, without people – you know, believing in you without you being able to believe in yourself, right? If someone didn't treat me well, I, I don't know that I would have had the ability to treat others well. But you, you want to know something that over time, you know, I, I've learned from that in a big way. And you know what? The people that work for our organization today and the people that work for my company and are involved in what we do know that they're treated well. They yeah. know that they're respected, you know? <clears throat> and, and I think for me that that would be, the words that I would say. I think when I go into, you know, other businesses or I see how things operate, one of the first things I always look at is how do they treat their people? Yeah. Get that dynamic. Treat people well. So we believe that our model will help create the next you, which in turn will become the next us. Put people first, have an excellent process, and we will grow together. It's inevitable. Mm. Thanks for having me. That's phenomenal, man. Thanks, man. I wanted to take a minute to thank everyone for joining us today on Healthcare 360. It was my honor to have on the show my friend, Mr. Vinny Resnick, to talk about his personal life story and how he flipped the script in what seemed to be a dire situation, how he overcame his personal obstacles, and later thrived building the grassroots company, Nexus Billing Solutions. If you like Healthcare 360 and enjoyed the conversation, please share this podcast and give us a review. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you enjoy listening. If you want the conversation to continue, you can find us on Twitter at HC360Podcast or Healthcare360Podcast.com. Thanks again. This is Scott Burgess with Healthcare360. See you next time.